Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Real Solution Podcast. It's your boy Brandon Bad. I'm here with our lovely redhead. We're solo dolo today, so you know, Amy, we miss you. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Happy anniversary, Amy. Yes, happy anniversary. She is celebrating her 11th, her 11th anniversary. anniversary. All-star Amy. All-star Amy. She doesn't like it, but it's kind of sticking. <laughs> There's nothing we can do at this point. Um, so yeah, Redhead and I are solo today, which is fine. You know, what, first of all, what are you wearing? What is the, this panda with the guns on your shirt? Oh, you just noticed I just that? don't. I, literally, y'all, it's, it's a shirt. It's literally a shirt with a panda and two guns. I'm concerned. <laughs> Uh, this is when I was on the trigger team. Oh. Um, it, it's called something else now, but um, it's it was a escalation team. And so, <laughs> so they always came at us with a oh, gun blazing, so <laughs> well, that I was guess, our team shirt. I guess it fits then. And since I don't work there at that anymore, I figure I might as well wear it. Well, and, I, I mean, the panda's cute. I'll give you that. <laughs> especially with them pistols. <laughs> you know what you're packing. <laughs> Alright guys, so we're going to have a lighter conversation today. So we think. So we think. that We say that, but it never works. Um, we're going to now move... Now move's not the best word. Transition. I don't know. When we get done, people may be moving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very true. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a category for anyone of... All ages, you know, millennials and our baby boomers. It's about where to live and where to settle. And where not to live. <laughs> and where not to live sometimes. Um, because there's a lot of propaganda and perpetuation when it comes to being able to up and move. You know, where to live, where to settle. You know, the city life, the suburbs, what kind of home you need to have. Does it need to have five stories and be $500,000 or does it need to be a tiny home and and, and modern and minimalist? Um, So we're going to talk about that because... Are are we as mobile as we used to be? Are we less mobile? No, honey, my trick knee on the left side, it keeps me from being... Mobile, you're right tr- along with that trick mouth of yours. <laughs> the disrespect <laughs> is ample today. Um, so yeah, this will be a good conversation, and we hope that um, our younger audience, our millennials, take heed and, and really think about uh, this will to up and move. Because I'm saying something, I will up and pack in my life anywhere, just up and move, gone with the wind. I ain't got no children. I'm not married. What's keeping me? You know, just up and go with the wind. Um, But there are some that have other factors. And, you know, you have to be mindful of where you live. Um, I remember just growing up when my mother would uh, look for, like, a new home or, like, where to relocate to. She, like, did extensive research on, like, the ratios of the different uh, races, 
um, look at the population, look at the, the city demographics. I mean, she literally did all that. And she, like, informed me of, like, you know, I, I like this home in this area, but unfortunately it doesn't have a great balance for you and the schools. And she talked to me about those things, um, you know, as I was younger. So I was able to consider those a little bit more. So we're going to have that conversation. And it's not about, you know, where to live or not to live, but about making concise decisions. Um, think about the factors that go into it. Um, don't just up and go. Like, we'll give you an example. We're here in Nashville, and everyone wants to flock to Nashville. Literally, I have an ad from Remax, you know, which is like real realty. Uh, is that the right word? <laughs> real estate. <laughs> it's been a long week, y'all. And it's just Sunday. <laughs> but there's literally this advertisement that encourages people to sell their homes in Nashville. Because the new Amazon facility is expected to bring 500,000 new individuals who will need a place to live. Yeah. So that's interesting that a, that a company is like advertising, you should sell your home. You've lived here. Give it to someone <laughs> else. Because we're expecting almost half a million people to come here for this job. That's wild. That, that's, that's, is that how we're living now? Is, is that how society has transitioned? That is this just free mind of you sell and go, give it to someone else, don't think about the family, don't think about the future, the long term. Um, so, because I think about that, I do, you know, I, I told you, I packed my life up in a heartbeat, but then there's the other part of like, you know, I did. I, I got this from my mother when I determined five years ago before coming to Nashville, cost of living. Yeah. And how many people actually know that, know what it means, and know how to determine it um, and how to consider it. So I looked at that. I was 25 years ago, 20 at the time before I came back. And I was like, ah, let me look at the cost of living of this city. Because my options were Columbus, Ohio. Back to Nashville. Um, I say back to like I was already here. <laughs> to Nashville. Um, slash Murfreesboro, because that's where I went to college. Um, which is 30 minutes outside of Nashville. Um, or Long Beach, California. Damn. Uh, and I didn't want to be like major city, California. But like I worked at Target at the time. You could transfer. Great positions. I interviewed. I got a job, but... I didn't take it up. It's like, I don't know if I can be that far away from anybody. So, um, so yeah, and that's what I considered. I looked at cost of living. Can I afford to take care of myself based off how I'm living where I'm currently at, which was Chattanooga, Tennessee at the time? Um, you know, how much should I be making? You know, what's the cost to eat? Nashville's expensive. You know, they say you need to make around 80000 to live comfortably in Nashville. And and that's now. Used to, that wasn't the case. Yeah, back in your time, it was... <laughs> well, because <laughs> I, I, I was here because of the hotel business. Um, and so I did look at other cities to go to. Um, we checked out New York City. Mm -hmm. um, you would have to live outside the city to be able to afford with it. Because I had a family. My kids were young then. 
they were all either elementary school or preschool age. Um, so you have to look at, you know, distance. I also, I interviewed in um, San Francisco with a major hotel chain. Um, we couldn't come together on money because in order to have the same lifestyle that I had in Nashville, Murfreesboro areas, um, and this was in 2003, <laughs> four, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, maybe even a little earlier. And, and in San Francisco was right as the dot-com bubble before that hit. Um, because we based everything off my salary. My husband pretty much during the kids' really young age, mm -hmm. um, he stayed home. He might pick up odd jobs. He was in uh, telecommunications. Well, the minute they heard that in San Francisco, oh, he'll have no problem getting a job and blah, 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 blah. And I said, but we can't always guarantee that. We have small kids. But in order for us to live on my salary that they were offering, we would have had to have lived an hour and a half away by train. Mm. And you're talking, you're on the other side of the bay, which is a big old bridge. Yeah. So um, earthquakes are in the back of your mind. If there's an earthquake could and that bridge was out, could I even get to my kids? Right. And so we turned that down because they, they, we could not get the price or the, the salary to maintain a family and live an hour and a half away right. by train. Right. Uh, you know, and I'm, I, I wonder how many people are doing that now in 2019. Scares me. <laughs> well, you know, since then, though, your dot-com burst. Mm -hmm. um, so San Francisco is still a major player in a lot of techie startup companies. Okay, but it's not a... It's not as um it's not as great a city now as it was then i mean the homeless rate is very high in san francisco now yeah absolutely you know for years they've talked about having a train built that would connect atlanta to nashville and to chattanooga and, and it would go through chattanooga yep. as well um i mean that's been talked since i was a kid but they could never never could get the they just never could get going but so many people have talked about how that would make such a difference oh i i think that we're foolish for not and now we're behind the eight ball because now we're sitting in traffic for hours nashville is up there in the yes. one some of the worst traffic i mean people think it's new york and atlanta but nashville is horrendous for our number of people, we do not have the infrastructure for it. we no trains. Yeah, and and and, and Nashville's not a big city. Let, let's clear that up. It's it's considered a large. I don't think it's considered a large city. It's considered a popular city, but in terms of the actual city itself, it is not large. When people discuss Nashville, you know it's a lot of grouping together in what we call Middle Tennessee. Um, and that stretches um, certain cities in our area, Murfreesboro and Hendersonville 
and Franklin, you know, Middle Tennessee, because it's still accessible, um, but it's not sometimes considered downtown in Nashville. Um, but Nashville's not a large city. Our population in 2017, which was the last census they had info from, was 691,243. But I am pretty sure... Oh, we know it's boomed since then. That it's it's gone way up since then, but absolutely. So, um, so let's talk about like cities, like popular cities. Um, I mean, you've got these major hubs, you know, Atlanta, also known as Hot Atlanta, Hot Atlanta. Ah, you know. For a while, that was like, <laughs> that was real. Like, you would tell somebody where you're from, and they would, you say, I'm from Atlanta. They'd say, oh, you from Hotlanta? Like, yeah. And we'd cringe every time someone would say that because it was cringy. Um, apparently, like, Houston is, like, a really popular city, major city. Um, Texas has a couple major cities. Yeah, um, Houston is really big. Houston is one of those big oil cities. Um, it's close to the ocean, but not really. Close to the ocean, but not really. You know, I mean, it's much closer than we are here, um, but they're a little further inland. You've also got yeah. Dallas-Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. You've got San Antonio. Houston produces some of the best artists, I'll say. <laughs> Just saying. Artists? You mean music? music? Yeah, music artists. Oh, yeah. Good people. Um... One thing I, my sister just ad, advised me of, well, I couldn't get that out, <laughs> um, was like, so like everyone talks about California and the West Coast, and it's not the same as the South, it's not the same as the East Coast, the humidity versus the dry heat. And my sister was telling me that she's changed her mind about living Looney there. Looney Tunes, not Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, someone's going to take offense to that. <laughs> Maybe you should be there with them. <laughs> Yeah, Queen Looney Tunes. I didn't say where the Looney Tunes live. Oh, okay. Is that up to <laughs> um, but she was telling me that. So when you're like, I guess Bay Area and all that over there, it's actually very cool that they are not like in shorts and tanks every day. Like they're kind of wrapped up because of the water and all that good stuff right um so you may be a little bit inland or whatever but it's actually pretty kind of chilly over there well a lot of your um west coast states getting into uh washington and oregon most of those homes on that west coast don't have air conditioning interesting because it doesn't typically get that hot yeah huh Interesting. Very, very Now, Houston, um, it also appears on the 20 cities you don't want to live in. It is considered a dangerous city, um, crime-wise. It's one of the most dangerous cities in the state of Texas, and it's also one of the most dangerous cities in the country. And for that reason alone, you may want to... Really look into your facts and uh, neighborhoods before you move to Houston. I mean, my, my sister lives in Houston, and she doesn't really have a problem um, where she's at. Right. 
Um, so there's good neighborhoods and bad neighbors. You get that in most of your big cities, but you do. Um, I lived in Atlanta, um, so like city life. I mean, I I was I grew up in Atlanta at a time where I really wasn't paying attention to crime rates and stuff, but I've experienced some of them. You know, from people getting hurt or getting lost and all that. (laughs) You know, you're real funny. Um, Where I would not be going in Chicago or Detroit, that's just not. (laughs) Well, um. Jeez, your phone is so loud. My husband came from Detroit. Um, Oh, that's a prime example. I won't be going to Detroit. (laughs) It was like the murder cap. It, It goes back and forth, I think, between New York, Chicago, and Detroit. Detroit often comes out to be the murder capital of the country. I ain't going for it. Mm-mm, see, I went to Chicago one time. It was just the weather. You know, I know they call it the Windy City, but I had lived in Ohio. I had experienced the cold. I was like, it's fine. I can do this. Nope. I went there one time. I was there for two days. I am <laughs> never going back. That was a cold and a wind that God did not create. And well, I'm not and going. That's, Detroit is like that, too, because it's up there on the Great Lakes, and it's on the border of Canada. Um it's a city in which the crime rate has become quite high. Um, in recent years, it's lost a lot of its appeal um, because now, instead of being well known for Motor City and Motown music, things like that, now they're into uh, heavy drug issues and a lot of violence. Um, many of the people who live there is in exceptional poverty. Um, and they have to resort to a lifestyle that they might not typically live had things not gone so downhill. Right. Um, but when you you drive through Detroit and some of those areas um, that had some of the grand, some people call them McMansions, you know, mm-hmm. the newer terms, but that size of a, a mansion... Um, and they're just sitting in disarray or disrepair, and the windows are boarded up. Right. And it's just real. It's really sad to see. Um, but there are areas of town where I think the rats packed up and moved out. It's so scary. Yeah, you know. Speaking of rats, did I say like New York has a real rat problem? We're not talking mice. We're talking rats. rats. Like a huge rat problem, and I'm. I think maybe the city should do something about it because it keeps popping up. Like in the last year, people are like, no, there's not like little rats running across. Like it's a huge rat problem. Um, So I I just thought about that when you said that. Well, but you know what? And most of you heard in the news recently, Baltimore um, is having a rat issue. They have a real trash issue, yes. Mm. Um, and that's, I, I think what comes hand in hand with that, with each of those cities, is a high homeless rate. Gotcha. The same with San Francisco. Um, they have a high homeless rate now. You know what? Nashville itself is becoming um, a higher than our norm for homeless Um and I think some of that comes with that surge of it becoming an it city. You know, at the dot-coms, San Francisco was the place to be. Um, you know, New York has always been the Big Apple, the place where 
you know, your stage actors and musicians and stuff want to go. Right. Um, but it's very expensive to live in New York. They have a very high yeah, I, homeless. I, I can't go there. I refuse to go to New York. Let me tell you something. In some of my lines of work in the South, it's the funniest thing is when New Yorkers come down and they buy a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> because apparently the cost of living in New York versus you know everywhere else, especially in the South, affects pricing on a lot of products and one of them being cigarettes and so it's always so funny to be somewhere when someone from new york comes down <laughs> and they buy a pack of cigarettes and you're like okay so they're same pack of camel menthol crush and you're like okay sir your total is 479 and they look at you like i'm sorry how much for what your total free pack of cigarettes what's that he's like are you lying to me is this a joke no sir he goes i paid 12 15 bucks in New York for the same pack of cigarettes. And they're like, give me 20 packs. I'm like, whoa. So that's always the funniest thing to me because they be in star struck. Oh, well, um, but they've got some of the most beautiful cathedrals. And when I I interviewed for a position with a hotel up there and my room overlooked... Uh, I think it was St. Paul's Cathedral. Mm-hmm. And when you go and you walk through them, I mean, it, it's amazing yeah. the details in these. But well, see, these are the little things people have to consider, like a breathtaking experience and like where to live. So that's how I feel when I go to Aspen. There is nothing better for me when I come out of uh, a hotel or someone's home when I go to Aspen or if I go to like a neighboring city like in the same area like Carbondale for example um, that's like 20 minutes from Aspen and like to just come out and see this mountain covered in snow like face to face to you breathtaking and it's like you live here and there's like not a lot of city and so these are the things that people should consider you know because the city of life ain't for everybody uh, you know, and just like New York, you know, you don't have to live in New York City. You you can live in a nice city surrounding New York. A lot of people live in New Jersey, so you can go to place like there are internet sites that you can go to research these cities that you want to go to. Um, you see what the median incomes are for that area. Right schools and, what, and just picking what's important to you you know exactly. I, for some people what's important to them is the club scene how many bars are there and are there dive bars and you know how many entertainment venues for others it's how many museums what's the local art so figuring that out um because you know for us the amount of people that complain, don't come to Nashville. We're already overcrowded and da 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 da. They're so upset. But how many of those people came for the right reasons? What did what what are you in your city for? The other part of that is community building. Being of value to where you live. Um, that goes into politics, that goes into developments. Um, our guests from the last show, um, Kason, he is very into his community. Um, his community is just outside of Chattanooga. Uh, it's Udawa, Tennessee, and he's so passionate about it. Um, the development, the history, uh, all of that. You know, what do you have to say for 
Besides, you just travel. I've lived here. I've lived there. I lived there. So what? What you've spent time in this city, but what did you get out of it? You know, and who has the energy? Because I'm sick of moving. <laughs> I'm saying something. Even moving within the city, I'm just so sick of it. I'm trying to get a tiny home and just park it because okay. I can't. I'm not a mover. I, I I've been in my house for 29 years. Ugh. I have watched it go from a rural area to a suburban area. Now that also hints at. Who's buying homes these days? Millennials don't like homes. Not large homes. They don't make homes the same. So where's that transition coming from? Because, it, I mean, that was the thing. You could buy, and you could buy a home easily back then as well. One, it's not easy to buy a home now. Um, homes are so expensive. And, and, and something that everyone needs to think about just because a mortgage company or a bank will approve you for a home make sure that it's not more home than you can really afford Mm, correct i mean we've had issues in the past where oh you got a job we'll put you in a house Mm -hmm. and then we find out later down the road that you can't afford that you've got to make sure because when you buy a home and especially if you're in a, a city that is kind of expensive, don't yeah. forget, you've got utilities. Yeah. And, and you may be used to that with an apartment or something like that. But yard work, mm-hmm. are you going to do it? Right. Are you going to have somebody do it? Maintenance, you have to do maintenance on your home. That can be expensive. Whereas in an apartment, and sometimes I think people lose sight of that. So when you're thinking about any city and you want to buy your home make sure that you are looking at those added expenses because i guarantee you that the banks and the mortgage companies have this little formula and it does not necessarily take that into account right they just want to put you in a home because they want to sell you a mortgage see i didn't want a home for the longest time i never wanted to own a home i would take a luxury apartment top floor leave me alone is their responsibility. If something goes wrong, they fix it. I just pay my rent and go. I always wanted that. Because I just won too much home. I like cozy. Homes now, you know, there were like cottage-style homes for a long time. I love cottage-style homes. Uh, it's always interesting to also hear the history about the homes that, like, people could go buy and you build them. And... Like we've got some family that they still live in homes that like when the war when the people came back from the war and then the -hmm. government gave them homes and you just go build your home in a couple days something like that and I was like oh my god that is um before my time (laughs) so but (laughs) and a lot of that was before my time too (laughs) I grew up in a farmhouse that was built in the late night or late eighteen hundred now but you didn't grow up in the city. No, I didn't. I grew I grew up in rural farm town. My closest neighbor was half a mile or three quarters of a mile away. So I had the best of both worlds. So I primarily grew up in Chattanooga. Um, and then latter half uh, finished out in Atlanta. So I got city life. And Chattanooga's grown. Let, let's, let's be clear. Chattanooga was as small as a small can get. We live at the county line. And you knew everybody or someone knew you right that lived downtown. Like, it was that. That's how I grew up in a farming community. Our 
Fishers, Indiana, is where I grew up. And it was maybe the size of, it was not as big as Murfreesboro. Yeah. Maybe the size of Walter Hill. Um, it had a grocery and a school and a bank and little shops down the street. Yeah. Well, now Fishers is probably the size, all of it's, it's somewhere between, probably about the size of Antioch. Gotcha. Um, now, it's got all the new and improved stuff. Now, when I went to college, I went to college in a very, very, very tiny town in Ohio. Where the, <laughs> basically, I'm not even kidding. I went to college in Worcester, Ohio. And, I mean, literally, let me just give y'all some of my realities. My realities were... The gas station closed at 10 p.m. The Walmart closed at 11. We didn't even have a Walmart. I was before the cornfields and Amish people, okay? I <laughs> Listen, I was confused. People, <laughs> and it always happens in the corn. And listen. Children of the corn. <laughs> <laughs> Jeepers creepers. In the corn. I'm telling you, it's I can't look at a cornfield. The same ain't been back. I did love... The serenity of like not being in the city though it was so peaceful it was so simple out there um but with those simplicities you also come with risk like job markets are usually limited um there's more community there should be at least but there's typically more community um there's not a lot there now we had the basics you had so the college was the town in ohio and then just a couple streets over you had your Walmart, you had your dining areas, we had Chinese, we had Chipotle, you had, there was definitely not a Target there, whew, not happening. Um, a couple other random shops, but that was it. I didn't know if they had a movie theater. I can't remember. It Fishers was, did not, but Noblesville, which was the, probably the size of Murfreesboro at the time, does. Yeah, if, if we wanted to do anything, we had to go 55 minutes away to Cleveland, Ohio. See, ours was about 40 minutes away to Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, my goodness. So, Market Square. Market Square. So, um, in that, picking a location that's best for you, consider all the factors. Um, don't just move to a city because it's popular. Because people, oh, my gosh, I've seen it. Even for millennials my age, we pack up and move to these cities, and then we hate it. And then we come back. We couldn't make it there. Um, I, I've got friends who just up and left here in Middle Tennessee and have gone to Florida. And within a year or two, they're back. I couldn't make it. Job market wasn't the same or whatever it was. And, I'm, you know, what what's the consideration for you moving and trying to transition your life to whatever city it is? Um, in the same manner, which how you live. I want a tiny home. I don't need all that house. Houses in Middle Tennessee, minimum, I mean, you have a couple that are under 200, but most of them are going to be three, 350 plus. Well, I, you know, I do a lot of community service throughout Murfreesboro and Nashville. Mm -hmm. And I, um, last summer did, um, help with, a, a, one of the churches that was doing summer camp for the kids. And in talking to several of the other 
um, parents that were helping, um, this was a section of Nashville that was on the edge or the fringe of revitalization. Mm-hmm. So they were they had developers and stuff coming in and refurbishing or in some instances just demolishing a block and rebuilding it. Right. And it was just down from one of the housing projects. And she said the housing projects are so overrun right now because with the revitalization, most of the people that were already in the community in that area of town can no longer afford to live in that area of town. Um, oh, I, I I want to. I'm glad you said that really quickly. I want to bring that up because that will expound conversation. Revitalization is equal to gentrification. And people have so many feelings regarding gentrification. Um, so give us the definition of... I, and I want to make sure I get this correct. So let's just go ahead and give... <laughs> A proper definition um, Jeff gentrification so if you google that word gentrification is the process of renovating and improving a house or district so that it conforms to middle-class taste um, the next one underneath that says the process of making a person or activity more refined or polite Typically, people associate gentrification with the removal of urban culture, urban society, urban living, Um, urban equaling people of color. Typically, um, there's a lot of mixed emotions about it um, because there's also usually so much history in these places, housing projects, certain cities that have historical context like St. Elmo, um, just outside of Chattanooga, places like that where there's so much history and then they've been gentrified to fit, as it says, to conform to middle-class taste. Well, for a while, and even still now, middle-class, it does not consider a certain demographic of people. And so that's where the imbalance comes from, and they're just like, well, we don't want gentrification because you're taking away what these people have that was already barely hanging on because they've been marginalized from the city. And I see that. Um, I'll give you an example. I've been here five years. Nashville's growth, amazing. Um, It's changed. But the amount of black businesses that have been removed from the city has been astounding to see. Because when I came five years ago, and you're not talking, you're talking about locations, downtown Nashville, thriving locations um, that are removed. I mean, we just lost one. Um, Jennifer's, <laughs> Jennifer's workplace, what was it? Um, I can't think of that bar. I can't think of that bar <laughs> that... Uh, limelight. Li- oh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't think oh, of that. I, okay, I got you now. <laughs> um, I couldn't get that out. Limelight. Yeah. Gone. Um, you may not know this one, but there was a club called Agenda. Well, but now, why did Limelight close? No, that I don't have the specifics. I I think was it not because whoever owned the building was not going to re. 
the lease or something up their lease. I, I don't and, know. And that happened. That does happen a lot with businesses mm-hmm. um, that are growing because now what was a hundred dollars a square foot is now three hundred dollars a square foot, mm-hmm. and that's because that's what we're getting. So that to me is kind of. Um, where we go back and we talked about moral obligation. Mm-hmm. You know, is it right to be that greedy or should you take care of some of these businesses? I agree that, you know what, you can increase the REIT some, but some of these businesses are increasing 100 to 200%. Correct. And, and it becomes nothing but a money game. You know, these businesses, whether black-owned businesses or not, um, they're, they're all in it for the same reasons. And they will be more than likely, nine times out of ten, easily um, willing to like be a part of any community, part of with the city or any projects or whatever to continue and build. But like you said, it, it then becomes such and such square feet in price to up this. And you're like... Well, this is affecting me, but it's not affecting next door. So, what you know? So stuff like that, factors a like that. A lot of mom and pop shops have been pushed out because of Don't, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what? I hate to to be a Walmart basher, but Walmart's a perfect example. That's why you have so many protests now. Mm-hmm. People in smaller rural or urban co- communities don't want Walmart mm-hmm. because. It pushes out a lot of your small businesses and takes over the whole community. Right. Um, You know what? I lived in communities pre and post Walmart. (laughs) And, you know, I have to go to Walmart sometimes because of that. They've pushed out so many. Walmart's not my place of choice. Um, That's just my personal opinion. I just don't think they take care of their employees the way that they should. Right. Not the way that they've pushed other businesses out. We've limited. They have to have such a high workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that, to oh, me, comes not, back. Not even a high workforce. People would complain about to the heels about the lack of work. Well, instead of getting rid of the 10 people that worked here at Joe's Barbershop, mm-hmm. They've only taken on maybe four or five mm-hmm. of those employees. So right. I get you because they've got the high automation. You know what? Self-checkout is an employee killer. <laughs> yep, we're going to talk about that one too. Um, absolutely. I, I Here's a quick re- Wikipedia definition also I thought contained some other elements. Gentrification is a process of changing the character of a neighborhood through the influx of more affluent residents and businesses. This is a common and controversial topic in politics and urban planning. Um, it's it's a very interesting topic. We, we'll definitely have to come back to it because there's so many, like I said, for most people of color, it's that portion of they feel that it's a more modern way to continue to keep them marginalized. And based off the visual aspect of it, it's totally understandable. All these historical areas, housing housing projects are a prime example. And while we get that, you know, sometimes they're crime-ridden in bad areas, 
you know, then you have to get into the history of like, why were they put up? How were they put up? What's behind that history? Um, and then how it's transitioning. Um, because I've seen some, I've seen one here on the other side of Middle Tennessee get torn down and now it's being gentrified. And so some people are like, it's good. It's a good thing. We're revamping the city, but it's pushing out people. Cause sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times the gentrification comes an increase of the cost of living for that area. Um, and the people that were there, where do they go? Oh, exactly. So that's that's really some of the hardest details about why people don't support it. Um, I remember this club that was here in Nashville called Agenda. It was around the corner from current employer, <laughs> like literally walking, thriving, thriving. I mean, they would bring some of the most popular artists um, typically rap and hip-hop artists, but I mean, you're talking, the artists you would know, like, oh, I, I know who Drake is, oh, I know who the, those type of artists. Um, shut down. Um, do I have the logistics behind it? No, but it's to say that I have seen in the last five years this business, that business, this business, out. But here we have a new George Jones saloon. Here we have a new Jason Aldean that's replacing this um, tequila cowboy has changed and it's no longer something, you know, stuff like that. And it's people see that part, but like, what are we missing? So, well, we've as much as and as beautiful as Nashville is, and as many places there are to visit, and all the honky tonks and things. You know, when honky I first, tonk. well, when I first got to uh, Tennessee. Lower Broad, which is the thriving section now, mm -hmm. it was not an area that you wanted to be in. Well, I've seen um, some photos, and it's just crazy how oh, much yeah. it's changed. Um, Printer's Alley, mm -hmm. a very nationally, well, it's actually probably world-renowned. Yeah. Um, it has gone through revitalization. It was, wow. back in the time, it, it had its shady sides. <laughs> Um, yeah, they say East Nashville used to be not the place to be. Exactly. And you can't say that now. People are dying to get to East Nashville and these historic it all homes. Moves. Exactly. And the dive bars. Oh, they're dying to get there. But now, the people who already live there, can they still afford to stay? And that's the, the, the thing, you know, we need to, to kind of look at. You know, I, I'm a believer you need to support your mom and pop stores whenever possible. You might pay a little more, um, but they have more good intentions sometimes than your chains and your cor big corporation box stores do. Yeah. Um, and we're losing that. You know, um, used to, as bad as, it, as Lower Broad could be, it was also you could come down to Nashville, um, you could walk down the streets, the, the, the little alleys and the cobblestone alleys off of Church Street and stuff, and you would have these new up-and-coming bands that would set up on a loading dock of the companies that were closed on Sundays. Yeah. And they would set up on the dock and play. And they'd have their guitar case out there, you know, for people to give them tips or whatever. But you could spend the whole day walking through Nashville. And, and the only thing it would really cost you 
is like for dinner, you know, lunch or something, because you could walk down all these alleys and for a couple of dollars to give to these bands, you could sit and listen. And it was all types of music then. Of course, it was primarily country music back in the day, right. but you could still hear your country and your rock and all, whatever you wanted, you could find in an alley somewhere on a loading dock the band that you wanted to hear that type of music. Right. That's gone. You very seldom see it. You might see some people sitting on the corners um, in Lower Broad. Hell, they permit everything now. Oh, my goodness. You, yes. you have to have a permit to breathe a song and looking for a tip or something. And it's, it's just sad that we've lost that part of Nashville. Um, it's a party city now. People come here specifically for the the party aspect, um, and I get it. It's it's very fun. Don't get me wrong. I have participated. It is very. And it almost becomes fun. a city that you go to visit, not where you necessarily Boom, want to live. That is, and that's kind of when you're looking for a home or a place to bring up your kids. You you need to if that's the kind of place you're thinking you want to go. Really research your areas, but then if you're like, well, you know, that's a little expensive or a little, you know what, there's some great cities on the outskirts of all of these big cities. Correct. The same with Atlanta. Um, I'm sure you can name a dozen cities right. that surround Atlanta Correct. that have a more family or a more slower paced life mm -hmm. than the city life. Correct. And your crime. Yeah, that's definitely something to consider um, because, I mean, I'm thinking of it now. Outside of Nashville's party scene, and I hate to call it a party scene. I just I'd call it entertainment because um, it is. Um, what does Nashville offer? What does Nashville actually offer? Because the, there are three main industries here. There's a huge healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. There is a huge music and entertainment industry, and there's a huge, um, well, I lost my third one just that fast. <laughs> oh, automotive. There's a huge automotive industry here in Middle Tennessee. You've got GMC, Nissan, uh, you know, GMC is not far, but it is, you know, not directly here. Um, so those are your, your three main, um, oh, and I left off one. Um, What's the pilot stuff? What's what am I thinking of? We have a whole school at, at the college for it <laughs> to fly the planes. Oh, um, <laughs> aerospace. aerospace. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'm on a slow road this week, y'all, and it's just Sunday. Oh, huge, this week. <laughs> huge aerospace. Um, what's what's the word? Um, program. Program here as well. Um, that brings a lot of you know money. It, it, and actually, to give MTSU a little uh, plug, their air traffic control school is like in the top three, three or five yeah. in the country. Oh, absolutely. People come from all over to get into this program at Middle Tennessee State University. Um, that's where my degree is from. It is a music business degree. Woo -woo. Um, so... Outside of like the industries and outside of like the partying scene, what does Nashville actually have to offer? 
it is a touristy city now. I, you know, it used to be music city. Now you come, it is, there is still that side of town with your songwriters and things like that. Yes. But it doesn't seem like we promote that as much. I don't know. Is that the view from outside? Hmm, I don't know. I, I definitely don't say, you know, and who knows what, you know how you see commercials for like visit other cities, but who knows what the Nashville ones look like. Maybe we need to look at that. We may need to because I mean, I've never, I don't know, I live here so I'm sure that's why they're not playing. Well, if you but. ever watched the show Nashville, that was supposed to be a representation of how the music business worked. Right. And it, you know, but it's not a... There's, there's, my husband says people don't pay dues anymore. What they does he go, mean by that? Well, you go on shows like American Idol mm-hmm. and you're 16, 17 years old and all of a sudden you're in the top three or four and you're thrust into the limelight and all of a sudden you're a superstar. Right. Where it used to be you had to, we didn't have the internet, you know, back in the day. You had to go travel. Right. Now, I will say that may be the perception. People who get into the industry and for that, it is not a cakewalk. And it's it's not as it seems. You well, would think so. Because let me tell you, and I'll give you, and let me tell you something. God works in mysterious ways. I always, <laughs> I always wanted to be on American Idol. Watched it, like, all growing up, wanted to be. Now, you couldn't audition until you were 16, back in the day. I don't know what it is now, because I stopped watching it. And I just knew when I turned 16, I could finally go audition. Well, the year that I was turning 16, they lowered it down to 15. I was like, y'all suck, okay? Like, I could have been did this. So, anyways... I, like, was in the latter half of uh, high school, and I moved back to Atlanta. Regardless, I pushed it off, and I never did it. I just never got around to going and auditioning. Um, Fast forward all these years later, I'm in this music business program at MTSU. We do our research, and there is... I'm glad I was not led to participate in that realm. It's a whole different ballgame because it's the power of a contract. You think you're on this show and you're going to get this, you know, win and maybe win financial stuff and get this record deal. But what's in the contracts? That's the stuff people don't tell you about Um, and how they hinder you and how you can be stuck. And then, you know, my family. But that's that's also the difference of paying your dues coming up through the ranks Mm -hmm. And having to travel from city to city to city to get known versus now you only have to deal with the contracts and what you've got to work out. There's because we it, it's mass media now. It it is, and that's what I was getting to is that the perception is that it's that easy, and in fact, it is still for for that sector still paying your dues because that contract comes. That contract says I'm gonna give you fifty grand. But you're going to have to make my money back plus extra before I even give you something. So you're putting in all this work on tour. You've won American Idol, whatever it is. You may have this contract that's in place and we'll give you a record deal and we'll give you this. But these people are stuck 
they have to pay their dues. And some of that they're doing outside of the contract because they want to be able to maintain after it's all said and done once you've been used. Well, so that's, that's what, what I, you decide to sell your soul. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. And so that's what I was getting out of. In a, in a sense, you still have to do that. It, people think it's an easy come up with all that reality TV stuff. Uh, but, but it's an easy thrust into the limelight. I'm not saying that the life itself is easy. Celebrityism is is tough. People, I don't think, realize correct how much of your life you give up for something like that. Yes. Um, but getting your foot in the door just becomes easier. It, yeah, you just have to show up and audition. If you're good enough, they yeah. keep you. You know, back in the day, I, I keep thinking of coal miner's daughter. If you ever watched that about Loretta Lynn, oh, Loretta you know, Lynn. she had her and Do packed up and they drove all over the southeast. Yeah. Because that's how you got your record played. They had to do the record themselves. And I'm not saying that there's not groups that do that now. There right. are, but it's much fewer and further between. Very few and far between, absolutely. So um, let's talk a little bit. I'm just going to do a real quick list. Here is 20 cities mm-hmm. that you might want to look at living in. Um, this is my age group or your age group? <laughs> This would be the 100 safest cities in America. I'm just going to cover the top 20. Who wants safe? Safe's boring. (laughs) Give me some adventure. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm scared. (laughs) Milford, New Jersey is number 20. I don't know them. St. John, Indiana. I can't go anywhere to say St. John. Avon, Connecticut. Cheshire, Connecticut. Hawthorne, New Jersey. Westfield, New Jersey. They sound like the Stafford Wives. That's why it's safe. (laughs) New Cannon, Connecticut. Garden City, New York. Monroe Township, New Jersey. Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. This sounds like a fruit. Your top ten are Bergenfield, New Jersey. Panique. Pequinock Township, New Jersey. These are the Indian names. And uh, New Jersey, Denville Township, New Jersey, Broadview Heights, Ohio, Norton, Massachusetts, Bernard's Township, New Jersey, Harrisontown, New York. Number three is Madison, Connecticut. Ridgefield, Connecticut, and the number one safest city, and this was 2018, um, is Hopkinton, Massachusetts. The median income is 151,000. It's a population of 17,300. They have almost no violent crime rates, and their property crime rate is 3.4%. I can tell you right now, I ain't going to Jersey because Jersey people are crazy. Connecticut is just too safe. But the, but the <laughs> point being that if you're outside in some of these cities, there's some beautiful cities. They are beautiful. I'll give you that um, for sure. I'm trying. Oh, you know what? A town that I was right next to me is number 39, Carmel, Indiana. Did they have Carmel? They they did. Mm. They were your Brentwood of my area. <laughs> Got you. Brentwood here is very business district, bougie, 
lots of money just you know rolling around only to be followed by franklin (laughs) franklin is a very historic city and they've done a fairly okay job keeping the historic district absolutely historic now here's a quick list that i found business insider from july of 2019 says the 20 best cities for millennials who want to buy a home where housing is affordable and jobs are strong. Let me tell you something. I, you know, I want to buy a home because... Actually, I want to build a home. Let's rephrase. I want to build a home because um, there's so many components that you're never just going to find. And the problem that I have with homes now is that everyone wants to make them the same. Why does my house have to look like the neighbors next door? Who wants that? All for a quick development and a quick, I got to get this sold and we need housing and I need money. I hate that. So I never wanted to buy a home, but I do want to build a home at this stage. Um, Tiny homes are still in my life, though. Um, So here's this list. Um, Number 20, Durham, North Carolina. 19, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I love that. And Chattanooga is growing. I could totally see that. I could could live my best life in Chattanooga still. Um, They got a great aquarium. Aquarium is beautiful. Um, Good restaurants. Yeah, they're doing great. Uh, 18, Buffalo, New York. 17, Provo, Utah. Um, Looks like a ski town. Um, 16, Kansas City, Missouri. I've heard good things about Kansas City. I'm surprised they have a 2 million population. That is crazy. They got Uh, ribs. (laughs) Well, you're making a good point. Uh, Number 15, Indianapolis, Indiana. Big city. Well, you know I grew up north of there. Number 14, Wichita, Kansas. Number 13, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. 12, Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, 11, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I got a buddy from Milwaukee. He says Milwaukee is real urban. Really? <laughs> I, yeah, he says, dude, it's, it's, uh, crime is crazy out there, apparently. Um, number 10, Cincinnati, Ohio. I could see that. Number 9, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Now, they looks like they have some awesome architecture and cathedrals there. Um, eight Columbus, Ohio, can totally see that. Uh, they have nearly two million people. That's that's interesting as well. Um, number seven, Akron, Ohio. Akron is tiny. Akron is where um, <laughs> Akron is from where one of your bosses is from, who says they'll never go back. <laughs> no. Yep. Oh, that is so funny. Uh, number six, Syracuse, New York. I could totally see that as well. Uh, number five, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Four, Dayton, Ohio. That's interesting. Number four, Omaha, Nebraska. Number two, Des Moines, Iowa. And number one is Rochester, New York. Um, Rochester has a median hourly wage of eighteen eighty six and a medium home value of one forty six six hundred. Well, I want to know what's going on out west. <sighs> is it still the Wild West? Because the what most you got west was. Kansas City? Very, I mean, you're, you're correct. Whole different ball game over there. So, here's to say, folks, and I'm sure we'll continue this conversation because we touched on a couple of good things. Gentrification especially, that's a way a separate conversation, um, totally. Um, but just going forward, consider all the elements when you're deciding to move and settle um why are you going where you're going you know don't just up and leave i still have that mentality i will say that i am tempted to pack my stuff up every day and here i come buzzfeed (laughs) like 
Seriously. Um, but there are things to consider, you know. Do you have children? Do you not have children? Exactly. Um, religion. There are religious populations. Definitely consider those. Up north, there is a Catholic or a Lutheran church. I am a Lutheran faith. All over. Schools, churches. Down here, you gonna, not so much. Yeah, yeah the cough <laughs> lung before you find one. Because, listen, because she told me she was Lutheran, and I said, well, where do you go to church? And I said, ooh, girl, I didn't even know where that was. <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was there. Um, so, yeah, there's, we, we hit a couple different topics, but consider all of that cost of living, workforce, the type of work in the city. Um, I hate to see people leave and then have to come back because they didn't think about where they were going. And it's more expensive for me to live here or, you know, stuff like that um, because they didn't take into the consideration all the factors. Um, you know, stuff, car insurance. People don't think about small stuff. It's going to change from where you live. And this is even if you are moving because your job, you know, is offering to relocate you. You still got to look at your expenses. You've got to know what's out there, what your cost of living is going to be. Absolutely. Um, so we'll continue this conversation. But this was good. There were a lot of good things talked about here. Um, any final words, my darling, before I get rid of you for the day? Hmm. No, I think I'm good. Just make sure you go to your website to do your research. Know um, the crime rates. And, you know, there's two different types of crimes, as we've talked about in the past. You've got your um, violent crimes, and then you've got your property crimes. Um you know, if you work really hard for your stuff, you certainly don't want people stealing your property any more than the violent crimes. So be aware of that. Look into your school systems. And we're not by any means trying to say don't move to some of these cities, but be prepared when you go to some of these cities what you're in for, um, especially when you got a family. Is it going to be family friendly? Awesome. Well, look at you sharing good advice. <laughs> Well, listen, guys, this has been another episode of the Real Solution Podcast. Can't wait till we continue this conversation. Um, let us know what your thoughts, opinions, anything you want to contribute to the conversation because, you know, we need you guys. Follow us. Support us. Subscribe. We're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, the Real Solution Podcast. Um, and we can't wait to see you guys next time. Here is our ending song today. We didn't start with one, but we'll end with one. Um, it's an artist by the name of Sober. I actually know him. He's doing amazing, and I love seeing him and all his work. I'm glad he's sober now. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, here's his single, Pretty Lies, released in earlier this year. And we hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you next time on The Real Solution Podcast. Tell me pretty lies, I love them all